The following is a Thunderbolt West Media Production. I'm going to be talking about saving money, fire safety, winter foraging, and much more. You are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. The storm was coming, the sky was on fire, fear was in their eyes. It's my opinion that we should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. Thanks for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. This show features off-grid topics such as surviving in these troubled times, creating your own power, gardening, homesteading, and other issues related to off-grid living. I also seek to educate my listeners about survival and prepping, and I do my best to be a resource as you prepare to protect your family. In this show, I also talk about a wide variety of topics, everything from government corruption to chemtrails. I also feel that our constitutional republic is worth saving, so I never miss an opportunity to do my part in helping to save our republic. I have two main goals for this show. Number one, to help you build your faith in God. And number two, to help each listener become as self-sufficient as possible. This show originates at the Harmony Barn Studio, located near Hershey, Nebraska, in the United States of America. The Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show airs on global shortwave stations, WBCQ, Monticello, Maine, on 7490, WTWW, Lebanon, Tennessee, on 5085, and on WRMI, Radio Miami International, Okeechobee, Florida, on 5850. And this show airs on 89.3 FM, Key Radio, in Osage Beach, Missouri. This show is also available on demand as a podcast on Podpoint, Red Circle, Spreaker, Podbean, and Podomatic. My email address is jim at offgridliving.faith, and I invite you to visit my website, which is offgridliving.faith. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I do appreciate it. Well, we're in the midst of the holiday season, and that means an awful lot of things to a lot of different people. And I'm going to be talking about some ways to save some money during the holidays, and also I'm going to be talking about some foraging you can do, I would say post-growing season, that you can still get some free food out there. You have to work a little harder to do it, and it's harder to find, but... There still are things out there. I'm also going to talk about heating your house with wood and some other off-grid issues. But I want to start out the show by addressing a certain subject that two listeners have written to me about, and that's the fact that people write me letters and they send me emails 
And it seems that there is something happening out there to where some of the talk show hosts are not quite as receptive to getting letters and mail because they're just being overwhelmed. And you have to understand that everyone that's doing the radio shows as I'm doing them, and that would be almost everyone on shortwave, we're kind of overwhelmed with information because the world is moving so fast. And a lot of times it seems that people get just overwhelmed. And so, first of all, I want to say if there's anybody out there that you feel is not wanting you to contact them, I think it's just the fact that we have people being overwhelmed because talk show hosts are just like you. They're average people. And average people could get overwhelmed, and sometimes the talk show host gets overwhelmed with information. That being said... I never tire of the letters, and specifically, I had one of my friends that wrote, and she said that she thought that maybe the letters were too long, and to that, I'm going to say, please keep writing letters as you want to write them, because one of the beauties we have on this planet as being unique individuals is being ourselves, and I have some people that will send me a post-it note that'll have like two words. They'll say, good show. And I have others that write me multiple page letters. And believe me, I enjoy them all. And I read every word. And so I welcome correspondence. I think that helps the show. It makes my day brighter, knowing that there are people listening. And it also lets me know that I have some really good friends out there that are listening. And yes, more than friends, actually, as I stated a couple of weeks ago, I feel like all of you are my radio family, and I want to treat you as family, and I want to encourage you to keep contacting me in any way you want to, because that's a good thing. Okay, I'm going to move on to some ways to save some money. Well, first of all, I've got to bring a little gloom and doom in this. I hate to, but I have to. It seems that the banking system is in real trouble. And I've seen some anecdotal things in my bank. And by the way, I have to tell everyone, I have changed banks. I had to fire one small town bank to go to another one. And it was purely poor training in the bank. And I don't know what the deal is, but you know the term Karen? Meaning someone that likes to stick their nose in where it doesn't belong, and they kind of make a fool of themselves, and they're genuinely aggressive. Well, it seems that my small-town bank hired a bunch of Karens. That must have been one of their job descriptions. And that has no place in the world of finance, and so I am moving to another small bank. But I do think that you're going to have to make every penny count. It seems that... We're going to wake up one morning and find out that we have no money. I'm not trying to scare you, but if you do have some money, I would pull it out. I've pulled all of my money out of the bank, and that's not much. It wasn't very hard for the bank to hand over all my money because, you know, the pile was so small. But until I put the money into another bank, which I'm not sure I'm going to, I'm going to start another account at another bank, but I'm not sure how much money I'm going to put in. 
because I'm seeing red flags and I'm listening to other talk show hosts and I'm reading things, watching videos, and people like Gerald Salente that really have a pulse on what's going on with our finances. He's been saying for a long time that a big fall is coming. And then I listen to others that are on the radio, such as Melody Cedarstrom at Financial Survival Radio and others that lead me to believe that things are not very good financially. And so, first of all, protect your money. And when it comes to spending your money, this Christmas season, don't overspend. You can buy things on sale. You can buy closeouts, as I mentioned a few shows ago. Go to secondhand stores. Go to thrift stores. I think that's an awesome idea to save money. Right now, you can likely go to a thrift store and spend $20 and get most of your Christmas shopping done. Now, you might say, well, that makes me feel cheap. Well, you're going to have to change that attitude. You're going to have to start feeling thrifty and start to feel like you're a good steward with your money. And another thing that you can do, it's not too late, and people do enjoy, as long as you do a good job, why don't you build or make your Christmas gifts this year? You might say, well, I can't make anything. Well, can you bake? Bake some pies or some cakes or some brownies. Bake a few loaves of bread. There are things you can do and give people as gifts that they'll be very thankful for. If you're into leather work or woodworking or welding or plasma cutting or anything, people do enjoy things that are from the heart. There are things you can do with your hands and with your head. Combine the two and try to save money. Now, the reason I think you need to save money is I think inflation is not done. I don't know about you, but when I hear on the radio that inflation is over or it's under control, I just shake my head. Every time you go grocery shopping, you have much less in your cart. And with the shrinkflation, I'm noticing that some of the packages are not quite as full. And there seems like we're kind of being cheated. That's how I feel anyway. A company sells something for a dollar and you go back in and they're still selling it for a dollar, but it's half the size it was. It's like, whoa, now I'm paying $2 if I want to buy the same amount. It's almost like doubling their price. And I think we have to be real careful of where our money goes. Now, I do understand and I envy people that can treat this whole era that we live in as normal. They think their normal thoughts and go about their normal days like nothing ever happened. And I can't do that. I I do way too much studying and I see what's coming or what I think is going to come anyway. And so I'm definitely in the camp that says to prepare. But I meet lots of people that have no clue They're just ignorant and very happy, and I kind of envy them because they're able to get on with their lives a lot easier than I am. It seems like every plan I plan, everything I do, I have to at least consider the world events and how my actions may enhance my life or possibly even hinder it 
if I'm spending money foolishly or doing something I shouldn't be doing. And I think that we have to get real efficient in everything we do. And with our money, we have to be very efficient. So come up with some wise spending plans. Try to do some sweat equity. In other words, make your own gifts. Maybe construct your own things you need to have in your house. You might say, well, I'm not a woodworker. It's never too late to learn. And you might say, well, I don't have the tools. Well, you can start gathering up the tools that you need. You can check second-hand stores and pawn shops and places that do have tools that you might be able to get in to some pretty good tools at a reasonable price. And that doesn't mean you go out and spend hundreds or thousands on a whole bunch of tools. Just buy the tools as you need them and keep them in good shape, and then before long you'll have a nice set of tools. I know personally I go to a place that is part of a thrift store, and they've broken it up into two stores. One of them is clothing and knickknacks and things for the home, and the other is construction because so many people are leaving boards and nails and that are still in a box and unused paint and things like that, that they started a construction part of their thrift store. And I can go in there and buy wrenches, any wrench, any, any size wrench I want for a dollar a wrench. And I look through their assortment of tools and there's lots of snap-on and craftsmen and some really good tools in there that are very high dollar tools, but they just want a dollar a tool. And so I can go in there and spend $10 and get 10 wrenches. Pretty good deal. And that way I can have a set of wrenches on every vehicle and every tractor. And that's really helped me in the field when I have a breakdown. If I have a wrench set in my vehicle that I drove to the field in, and I have a wrench set on the tractor, and also I'm putting toolboxes on all of my implements, and so I have a wrench set and other tools, hammers and so forth, in a toolbox on the implement. And so if I get into a big job, I have three toolkits right there. And between the three, I can usually find the right wrenches and tools to really do the job easily. And I'm able to do that very cheaply by using that dollar a tool capability that is in my hometown. Now, you may not have anything like that in your area, but you can always go online and check the online auctions, and you can get some really good deals. Broadcasting from the United States of America, you are listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I invite all of my listeners to go to my social media site, which is on VeteranBrigades.com. It's the only social media site that I trust, and you do not have to be a veteran to join. So go to VeteranBrigades.com, sign up, and look me up over there, and on that platform, I'm the Living Off-Grid Show, and I plan on doing lots of interactive things over there with you, my audience. So please go visit me at VeteranBrigades.com.
And this is just a personal side note here pertaining to the holidays. We have to live for our 365 days a year and doing a whole lot of extra things this year anyway to celebrate one day, whether it be Christmas or New Year's Eve or what have you. You might want to rethink that. I think that having a celebration and having up some decorations or things, it's not a bad deal, but don't overdo it. Don't become Mr. Christmas or Mr. New Year's Eve or Mr. Thanksgiving. Of course, Thanksgiving's past, but just don't try to overdo it. Do everything in moderation. Well, I want to move on to the foraging. In one of the letters I got from my crazy conspiracy theorist friend that happens to live back in the woods, her and her husband were out gathering some nuts that had fallen off the tree, and they were having some fun with it, just tossing them around, and they kind of realized after they'd tossed a few around that they were actually playing with food. And so they started gathering, gathering some walnuts. And there are a lot of nuts out there that you can gather, pecans and walnuts, and just depending on where you live. And you have to store the nuts right. You have to keep them dry because if they're damp, you have to dry them out and keep them stored in a nice, cool, dry place. And you have to remember that lots of wild trees, they're not as big as commercial nuts, and possibly they can have some parasites such as worms or something inside the nut. So you have to watch that real careful. And so nuts are a good thing to go after. And then also the mallows are still producing, and they'll produce on and off up until the real cold of January and early February, then they're pretty well disappear by then. But if you don't know what a mallow is, well, you're going to have to just check with your library or go online. It's M-A-L-L-O-W. And there's lots of varieties of mallows. And mallows are good in salads, and they're also good if you shred them and boil them. But if you boil them without shredding them, their texture is kind of fuzzy, and they're kind of hard to eat. They taste good, but the texture just is off-putting. But if you eat them in a salad or fresh, they're just fine. Other things you can forage for are wheat grasses and rye grasses, and also wild oats, the tender young grass that comes up in the fall. And it stays pretty well green all winter. It kind of freezes down and comes back on a warm day. There's not a lot of nutrition in those grasses, but they're good to add to your tea. If you're brewing just a regular black tea or a green tea, you can add some of this fresh wild oats grass or wheat grass or rye grass, and it'll enhance the flavor quite a bit and give you some more nutrients. Just the other day, I harvested some sumac, and I'm going to experiment with the sumac and I know that there is a poison variety of sumac, and I did not mess with that variety. I got the variety of sumac that's non-poisonous. And I'm going to go ahead and mill that, run that through my grinder. And if that doesn't work, I will use a mortar, a stone mortar. And I'll crush it, and I'm going to make a flour out of it. And I will report to you my results. But if you have sumac in your area, it's ready to go.
unless the birds have got it. And also, you can still harvest. Now, this is about any time of year. The blue juniper berries, or some people call them blue spruce, they're a nice blue-purple type berry. And you can take those and just put them in your mouth and lightly chew them, just enough to break the skin on it. You can use that as a breath freshener. And also, it can soothe your throat. It does give you some vitamin C. You can add those to your tea or coffee. You can dry them and grind them up. You might want to take the seed out, but if you don't take the seed out, it's okay. You just got to have, you just have to grind it finer, and you'd have to use a stone mortar to do that. And then bottle that and use that as a replacement for pepper. It doesn't taste much like pepper, but it does enhance your food. And right now the wild mints are froze down, but they can still come back on a warm day. They'll send out several fresh leaves. And so you can do mint almost all year round, actually, probably just that small window of half of January and half of February. You're not going to get any mint, but I have mint growing everywhere. About everywhere I step, I can reach down and grab a handful of mint. And one of my favorite things to do is to get some semi-sweet chocolate and melt it. And I use just a little bit of butter. And then I use my dried mint leaves that I've procured out on the ranch. And I grind them real fine into my stone mortar into a powder. And then depending on how much chocolate I have, I stir the appropriate amount of, appropriate by my taste, amount of this powdered mint and I mix it good together and add peanuts. And, of course, I use wax paper, or you can just use some nonstick cooking spray and spray a plate and go ahead and spread it out. And, of course, you'd have to cook this to melt the chocolate. I'm talking chocolate squares. And then you stir it all together, pour it on your plate, and then let it set up and cool down. And then you have some very delicious dinner mints that have peanuts in them. I really like them. And I think they're pretty healthy for you because dark chocolate's not bad for you. And I'm sure that the wild mint has health benefits as well. And it also does help settle your stomach. So there's some really good benefits to that. So don't forget to try these things to forage for. And also in your area, check your library or go online and find out the edible plants in your area and go out and have some fun foraging. And I'm going to touch on the homeschooling here. If you have any children you're homeschooling, what a perfect class to have. Go out and call it a botany class. And you can use your botany class to go out and procure food for your family. And it's a win-win. You're teaching your children about nature. You're teaching them about plants. You're teaching them about foraging and how to use the plants. It's just win, it's just a win-win all the way across. So I would highly encourage every parent out there that's homeschooling their children is to make a botany class and make foraging a part of that class and make it fun. If you make it drudgery or make it work, well, the kids aren't going to like it. But kids love to learn. They're like a sponge and they like to soak things up. And so let them soak up the knowledge that they may need to survive. Like I say, I think it's a win-win situation.
And with the world events going the way they are, who knows if the skill of foraging is going to be what really saves our bacon down the road. I don't know what's going to happen. I have kind of go back and forth. Right now it feels like things are going to just pop loose any minute and we're going to have that moment that everyone's been dreading, that everything hits the fan type of moment. And other times I think, you know, we're really being played. They put us on the brink of what we think is catastrophe, then they pull it back for just a day or two, then they put us back on the brink of catastrophe, then they pull it back again. And I don't know if this is something they're using to control us or whether things are really going to get really bad all of a sudden. I don't know about that. I kind of wonder. But there's something that I'm absolutely made up, my mind is totally made up, is the powers that be want us broke and then they want us dead. I woke up this morning and it was really cold. I had some hay I had to haul and my old tractor has no cab and is a very cold 11 miles on a tractor today. But what would have been a nice sunshiny day, even though it was cold and windy, I look up and the sky is just totally white. And I look through the whiteness and I see the more of the planes up there spreading more chemtrails. And so overnight, I don't know how many hundreds of planes had to go across the skies. But when I woke up this morning and looked up in the sky, I had an artificial white sky with artificial clouds that were blocking out the sun. Now later on that afternoon, some real clouds moved in. But I'm recording this also on Thanksgiving Day. And I look up on Thanksgiving Day and I see a sky full of pilots spraying. And I've talked to people that have told me, and I don't know if they know what they're talking about, so this is very anecdotal. But they say those pilots are not even from the United States. A lot of the planes are coming over from China or from Europe or Canada or South America. There's a bunch of people that they can hire that would be glad to spray the United States with all sorts of chemicals. And so they have people from the United States up there spraying, but they have international pilots that are taking off from airstrips that are not even in the United States. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but it does kind of make me wonder how they could get so many pilots to go out on a holiday and make the sky totally white. And something that I think may be related to this, and I'm going to do some more research and get back to you, there is a disease that they call it the zombie deer disease. That's where deer just kind of turn into zombies, and they're not afraid of anything, and they're pretty docile. Lots of times their neck swells or their head will swell. And I hadn't heard much about this, but last year I was driving down the road, and there was a deer on the road, and I came up to the deer, and I stopped my pickup truck, and here's the deer. And I walk up to the deer, and it sniffs my hand, and I think, wow, this is something. So I went ahead and put my arm around the deer, put my arm around its neck, 
And it just looked at me, and I said, what is wrong with you? And the deer just looked at me, and I said, well, you've got to get off the road, buddy. And I looked for any injury. I didn't see any injury at all, and there was no swelling of the neck or no swelling of the head. Of course, I hadn't heard about this disease, but I walked the deer off the side of the road, and that's where it stood. It didn't go any farther than what I, I didn't drag it off, but I encouraged it to go off the road. And so I called up the Game and Parks Commission and told them there was a deer acting really strange on the road, and I didn't know what to do with it because it's, you know, definitely there was something wrong. It didn't look sick, but it it's just like it was brain dead or something. I don't know. And over the last two weeks as I'm driving home to the ranch, whether I'm coming from the field or from somewhere else, there are deer that are laying on the road or laying beside the road. And I never have seen that in my entire life. You drive by and there's a white-tailed deer that's laying down beside the road and it doesn't get up and run. And anyone that knows white-tailed deer know that they're just almost insane with fear if they see a vehicle. And to see these deer just lay there and watch you go by is just so foreign to me. Well, I started doing some research and found this zombie deer disease that is real prevalent in western Nebraska and almost every county of Wyoming. It's in the western part of the United States, but it's also cropping up in the Midwest and the Indiana, Ohio, and that region, Illinois. And so I don't know what to think about this. The deer are just, they're just acting wrong. And I just heard about a disease hitting dogs, and it's a respiratory disease. And lots of dogs are succumbing to this respiratory disease, and they say it's a minor epidemic and so if you have a dog, you might want to really be careful of associating your dog with other dogs right now until they find out what's wrong. But my gut tells me that it's all related. I know that they have taken out most of the small animals are gone. And now I think they're taking out the larger animals. I just have a feeling. And if they take out deer, if they can take out different animals that weigh that much, well, they can also take out mankind because we weigh as much or more than deer. Some deer weigh a lot more than we do. And seeing that dogs are now being attacked by a mysterious respiratory disease, I have to say I feel that there is a connection between the chemtrails the zombie deer and the dog disease. I think it's all interconnected. I don't have any proof of that, but I just have a feeling. So really watch your pets. And with the deer, I don't know if it's a virus. I don't know if it's a parasite that's entering into the deer's brain. I don't know what's going on, but I think that a very good explanation would be toxins that the deer are ingesting as they eat the grass that has the residue from the chemtrails. And I don't know how many people out there are familiar with a YouTuber called Richie from Boston. Replace fear Well, I kind of like Richie from Boston, and I do watch his videos when I can find them. 
And he had a video up that was showing Replace pessimism what looked to be spider webs with hope. that he later determined that they came from chemtrails and it's residue from Replace chemtrails despair and a certain chemical that with determination. And nobody was believing that these fiber-like things were from chemtrails. And don't be afraid to rely on God and a lot of people and were step out on the sea. They thought it was just spiders. And they do look like spider webs quite a bit, but they hang in the air. They just kind of hang up in the air and don't go up or down. And they just kind of move with the wind. And if there is no wind, they just kind of stick right where they're at. It's just strange. But one night several years ago, I was coming back from an event, and I was driving through just thousands and thousands of these what looked like suspended spider webs that were suspended in the air. And I got out of my vehicle and went and was taking my fingers and and just reaching up and grabbing this stuff as it hung in the air and rolling it in my fingers trying to figure out what it was. And that was before I really got into noticing the chemtrails and, and trying to find all the information I could. So Richie from Boston has seen what I have seen. And I think that there is an awakening happening of people that want to be like myself, just a citizen journalist. I don't consider myself a journalist, really, because that takes training. But I wonder if the training they receive in the colleges is more training on how to be deceptive and how to brainwash, because that's certainly all they do. But people are starting to wake up, and that is a good thing. Well, I do appreciate you listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show, and I would ask that you consider donating to the show to keep it on the air. And I want to say a special thank you to those who have donated. You have no idea how much that helps. But it's because of you that this show's still on the air. And so thank you. Donating is easy. I take checks, money, orders, or cash. You would write the checks out to Thunderbolt West Media. You'd mail to Thunderbolt West Media. P.O. Box 163. P.O. Box 163. Hershey. Nebraska, and the zip code is 69143. I really need to know who's listening and where you're listening from, whether it's by shortwave or podcast or on AM or FM radio. Even if you just pop me an email and say hi, I would appreciate it. And as always, I invite listeners, give me some suggestions of topics that they'd like to hear me cover. I would really appreciate that. Once again, my email address is jim at offgridliving.faith. Please visit the website, and the website is offgridliving.faith. And also, you can find links to even more information. Every one of my shows is uploaded on the website. If you're tuned to Frequency 7.490, you're listening to WBCQ. If you're on 5850, you're listening to WRMI, Radio Miami International. And if you're listening on 89.3 FM, you're in tune with Key Radio, Osage Beach, Missouri. Welcome to Part 2 of the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. This is your host, Jim Calhoun, and, and I want to tell you again how much I appreciate you tuning in today. 
Well, kind of going back to the being thrifty with your money, I got a very nice letter from my crazy conspiracy theorist sister in the woods, and she was talking about some tools she bought at an auction. And she mentioned how it saddened her to see things being sold so cheap because the weather was rainy and there wasn't a big crowd. And so she got some excellent buys on tools and things that they need out on their property. But she went on to mention how she was saddened that the couple that had spent a lifetime acquiring all of these things were now just, it was just some junk basically, just being sold for a dollar and five dollars and, you know, well under what it was worth. And while I do understand her being saddened by that, because I've seen the same thing and I've had the same thoughts, we have to know that those things that these people had, even if we buy them cheap and we give them some value, at least we're keeping those tools in active hands. And so we can look at it as a torch being passed. And if we can save a little bit of money in doing so well, that's a good deal. Also, she wrote in her letter about some water, some water issues, and she sent another letter that clarified that they had four inches of rain and their stream still wasn't running. And I've heard several people on videos talking about the drought that's happening in Missouri and Iowa and that region, that it is so bad that it's really affecting the farms and the small towns and and also some of the underground aquifers and things are being affected. And to answer the questions on your letter, no, I don't think they're purposely pumping out the aquifers. I think that there's a possibility that someday they will. I know that they know where all the aquifers are, and I'm blessed to live on ground that sits right over the top of the Ogallala Aquifer, which is one of the largest freshwater aquifers in the country, if not the world. And we get just some of the cleanest, best water right out of the ground here. But this area doesn't get much rainfall, and so there's lots of irrigation. And there's lots of wells that were put down, and they pump lots of water out of that aquifer. And you can't tell me that that's not affecting the water levels inside the aquifer. And so can they pump the aquifers dry, the natural underground aquifers? Well, yes, I think they can. And also with the fracking, they're pumping water into some of these areas, and it's causing some issues in Oklahoma and that region. And I noticed yesterday through my town that there were eight fracking rigs that were complete fracking rigs. They were traveling in a huge convoy, and they all had Texas tags on them, so I think they were fracking in Texas or Oklahoma, and they were moving that entire operation to North Dakota. That's my guess. But it was massive, this caravan of trucks with fracking equipment. I would not have known it was fracking equipment, but it was clearly written on the side of a lot of these machines that they were for fracking. And so we're doing lots of stuff with the underground water. We're pumping water in. We're pumping water out. We have to be having some sort of an effect. I don't know. But getting back to the streams running dry, 
I have seen the streams dry up here. I've seen the North Platte River, which is traditionally, they call it a mile wide and an inch deep. Well, it's more like 50 yards wide and a foot deep or six inches deep. It looks like a really big, deep river until you get right up on it, and then you see the sand underneath the water six inches down. But I've seen that dry up to where it was only like 10 yards wide and six inches deep. And this year I saw some of the freshwater springs that are near my hayfields. They quit flowing for, oh, a month or so, but they're now full again. So I think that the drought that we're experiencing, and I think part of the drought is because of the chemtrails, I fully feel that we're being basically put inside a shaker and being shook up, and they're trying to disrupt everything. When I mean they, I'm talking about our friendly scientists in the white coats that are developing the artificial intelligence that eventually will probably be the end of mankind. I hate to be so blunt about it, but all of my research is just, it's very sad to know that we have people on this planet that are so evil and they want to do everything they can to replace you and me. It's not good. And this letter also talked about the 30-30 plan that illegitimate Joe Biden wants 30% of the land to be owned by the government by the year 30-30. And while I have heard of that, I really think they want to own all the land by 30-30. Have you checked your property taxes lately? You know, I do some hay work. I work on several. I work in several fields that are owned by people that have lots of money, people that have more money probably in their petty account than I would ever have in my life savings. And one of the guys I recently bailed his hay, he came out and was complaining to me about his property taxes. And this guy has a six-figure income every year, and who knows how many millions he has in the bank. But the property that I worked on was just beautiful. He had a beautiful house and everything was developed. Really nice. And when you have a property that's in the sand hills that are generally dry and olive green, you know, they're not really ever truly green. And when you have an estate that's in the middle of basically a desert with plants on it, they have a nice Kentucky bluegrass estate that takes, I don't know how much water to maintain that, but I'm talking about a person with lots of money. And he came out and was complaining that his property taxes have risen to the point where he's very concerned about. And so when you have those kind of people that have that kind of money that are talking to people like me, and they're concerned about property taxes, well, you know that something's up. And so kind of a long answer to your simple question if you think the government's trying to take over all the land, I really do think so. I think that being an individual property owner is something that is on the endangered species list as far as this country is concerned. And I notice we have a huge increase of people on public assistance, and they have to be because they have no other choice. And I think the American dream of owning your own home, I think, is out of reach for most everyone. If you don't already own your home or have the money to do so now, I don't know if or when you'll ever be able to do so. 
This certainly is not the United States that I grew up in. It certainly is not. But I appreciate that letter and and keep them coming. And also, I heard from Art again, and I hear from Art from time to time, and he seems to be working a second shift, and he's not able to hear the program on shortwave radio. And so he didn't even know if I was still broadcasting, but but I want to tell Art, if he is listening, thank you for the letter, and thanks for the advice in the letter, and he advises to watch the banks and watch your money. I've already talked about that, but I agree with him. I want to touch on fire safety for those of you who are using a wood-burning stove. I think it's very important you have your fire extinguishers that are handy, have them in the right place. Make sure they're the right size to do the job. Don't get a little small handheld one that is capable of putting out a small fire. Make sure you have a good-sized fire extinguisher. Make sure it's freshly charged and checked out, ready to go. I think it's a good plan to have a five-gallon bucket of water near your stove. That's kind of an old-school way to think, but I think that that's a good plan. Also, if you have a baking pan that's a rectangular like for a cake, a good-sized one, fill that full of water and put that underneath your wood-burning stove. If it's, Just make sure you tuck that right underneath your stove. That'll catch any embers that try to fall underneath your stove. Another thing I think you need to do is make sure that your stove pipes are clean, even if you have to disassemble your pipes and visually inspect them. I think that's a good plan. Make sure that your flue and everything is functional. Make sure your pipes aren't leaking. There's a lot of things that can happen with a wood-burning stove that are good. And, of course, there's lots of things that can happen with a wood-burning stove that's bad. So we want to make sure that only the good things happen. And one thing that you have to watch out for is excess smoke in your house. And sometimes that smoke can come because of the wind coming from the wrong direction. If you have a downdraft that comes through and pushes the smoke back into your house, there are things that can happen. And of course, some of those things are beyond your control. It's always good to put a rain cap on your stovepipe. Most of the listeners already have a rain cap, but if you don't, it's a very good investment. And if you're cooking with your wood-burning stove, that means you're going to be adding more wood more frequently because you're going to have to have some hotter heat if you're cooking. Just make sure you're always mindful for stray embers that might come out. Make sure that all of your mats are put in place, your anti-fire mats that are. Make sure you're using a fireproof mat. Make sure it's the right size for your stove. Because sometimes those little embers can pop out and roll. And the fireproof mat is very good insurance. I want everyone to enjoy heating your house with wood or cooking with wood. I know that I do. And I want you to do it safely. And another thing I want to touch on is the kind of wood. I've had a question on what types of wood. Well, generally, the way I see it is there's three types of wood. You have your dry, rotten, or fast burn type of wood, soft wood. Then you have the wood that is traditionally soft wood, like pine, that's not dry or rotten, it's just soft wood. Then you have your hardwoods. A general rule of thumb that I use is if you want to have flash heat, you want to have heat really fast, you want to have a hotter heat, go ahead and burn the drier 
burn the lighter, drier wood, maybe the rotten wood or the pine. But if you want to have a fire that's going to last a long time, not necessarily a real hot, roaring fire, but a long-lasting fire, well, of course, use hardwoods. And so if you have a collection of woods, you would use your softwoods during the day when you're awake and you can keep adding wood to the fire. But at night when you go to sleep, go ahead and put in hardwood. And that'll have a tendency to burn more evenly all night long. And I know that I have a hard time burning all night long. But I try to put in the kind of wood that the embers will stay glowing for a longer period of time. That way, when you get up in the morning, if your fire is out, you'll still have some embers you can add some wood to and restart your fire without having to go ahead and put in your kindling and, you know, light it with a lighter. If you want to have it to where you don't have to ever do that, just make sure you have red coals in the morning. I hope everyone has a great experience this year with your wood-burning stove. Now, I listen to quite a few people that are preppers, and I have no trouble giving you my sources, the people I listen to, because I think that we need to band together as a community of preppers and survivalists. And I never considered myself a prepper or a survivalist, but in this day and age, I think that if nothing else, it's great insurance. Even if we don't have to use the 50-pound bag of beans we bought, if someday we're able just to chuck them and throw them away 25 years from now and never have used them, I think that's a great thing. I hope that is the case. And you might say, well, I'm wasting money. Well, you're never wasting money when you're buying insurance against something that is a possibility. And since we all eat and we all have to function from day to day with our lives, just and we prep with things we need on a daily basis, well, that's never a bad thing. You can always eat your mistake. You might get awful tired of those beans, but at least you had them if you needed them. And in this day and age, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. So don't let up on your prepping. I think that we're kind of in that kind of a catch-22. I know that I'm sick of prepping. I'm sure that you are as well. I'm sick of living my life basically looking over my shoulder to see what evil globalist or evil elite person trying to figure out what they have in store for me. And that's not a very good way to live. But in this day and age, we have to really keep vigilant. So I'm going to stress that as well as you're continuing to prep. I think that's very important. But I think it's really important that we keep vigilant. It's really important that we keep informed. In one of the letters that I received recently, thank me for keeping them informed. And I don't know if I do as good a job as I want to do, but I'm just one guy out here in the middle of the sticks. And sometimes things get past me that I should know about. And so I do encourage you to listen to other people as well as me. I'm not telling you not to listen to me. I'm telling you to get a few more viewpoints of people that maybe have better sources than I do. 
because I kind of go by the seat of my pants and my just try to use common sense. I look at things and weigh it in my head and consider all angles that I have presented to me. Then I come up with an opinion. And if it's something that I think I need to warn you, well, then of course I will warn you. But I want you to verify everything that I say because I don't want to mislead anyone. That's the last thing I want to do. I just want to be here to help, and I want to be helpful in such a meaningful way because I really hate to see what's happening. I hate to see what's happening with the mocking of my God and Creator, where people are denying Jesus, where I live in a country now that is trying to cancel Almighty God. I don't like that. I don't like my friends, and you are my friends. I don't like my friends being lied to. I don't like my friends being mistreated and overcharged, such as taxes and this inflation. I don't like a corrupt government that is punishing my people, meaning the United States of America, we the people. You know, I'm not saying they're my people as I'm possessive. I'm saying that we all can say that these are our people. And I don't like to see our people or my people or your people. I don't want to see them abused. And we're being abused. And, you know, I hate to say this, very, but it's just something that I feel, and I feel this pretty strong. I think we're being farmed just like farm animals. And I know that the medical profession right now is farming us in a big way. And another proof of us being farmed is the legislation that has been enacted, and it's now the law of the land in New York, that the state can come in and quarantine you and just take you away or any member of your family and not even tell you what you're in quarantine for. They legally can come in and just wipe you out and you have no recourse. Any protection that the legal system could give you is been totally nullified by these tyrants in New York, which leads me to believe that other states are going to start following suit. And what kind of world is that, where a bunch of fat cat legislators can basically give your life away? It just leads me to believe that we're just all in a big corral, and if they want to brand us, they'll brand us. If they want to castrate us, they'll castrate us. If they want to vaccinate us, they'll vaccinate us. If they want to take us to slaughter, they'll do that. If they want to sell us, they'll do that. That's the way I feel anyway. I feel like I'm being farmed. I feel like the government is farming us. I feel like the medical profession is farming us. I feel like the just the powers that be in the economy are farming us. The big box stores, all the big corporations are farming us. All the people that want to have you to be in their buyer's club, if you go in and buy so much as a nut or a bolt from them, they want you to sign up for some rewards program that's going to keep track of every purchase you ever do in that store. It's all connected, and it's all farming us. They want to sell our information. They want to control everything we do. They want to know what we're buying. They want to spy on us. And right now, the new cars have the capability of spying on you, and I've heard that they are spying on you. 
And I was watching a video from a man trying to disprove that Google was spying on you through the microphone in your computer. So he did a simple test, and his test was he would say the word dog toys many times, that he would say the word dog toys in a conversation as many times as he could. And within about three minutes of him saying dog toys, all of a sudden the Google ads that were popping up on his computer were dog toys. And so there has to be something to that. So we have to stay watchful. Don't be paranoid. Don't be scared. But it's time to be more than upset. We just sat here and watched our world being taken away from us. And I was listening to a broadcast the other day. I can't remember what show it was. They were talking about what we're witnessing in the world is the death of the old New World Order and a new New World Order starting. Or possibly a second New Order to compete with the old New World Order. But we're going through the death throes of the New World Order that was established after World War II. And they presented a very compelling and strong case for that. And after listening to that and contemplating it, I think that that's probably dead on, that everything we're seeing is just the death of a system that most people in this country who are alive today, that's what we were brought up with. And so that is normal for us. That's why we're seeing everything change out from under us is because the system that was in place, the old world order, is simply passing away. And if that's the case, there will be a vacuum and good people have to fill that vacuum and not bad people. So we have to stay alert. We have to stay willing to help others. Well, I hope you got something from the show today. I really appreciate you tuning in. And I want to say again, thank you for your cards and letters. Keep them coming. And I would love for you to consider partnering with me and sharing in the cost of this broadcast. Supporting the show is easy to do. I take checks, money orders, or cash. You'd write the checks out to Thunderbolt West Media. You would mail to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska. And the zip code is 69143. Again, thanks for listening. Until next time, everyone, stay safe, stay strong, keep prepping. And never, ever forget, replace fear with faith. This is Jim Calhoun with the Living Off Grid Powered Information Show. The song Step Out on the Sea is performed by Brit Small and Festival. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.